With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Country boy can survive. Country folks can survive. Good evening, everyone. Jim Strader here in the studio. Rainy evening here at WHAS, and uh, glad to be here. We're going to do open lines tonight. I'm going to give you the numbers before I start into my opening monologue here. The numbers 571 8484 or 1 800 444 8484. There's some big news from this past week, something that I've tried to keep you abreast of for many months now, and it's fomented into a good situation at long last where Commission Chairman Jimmy Bevins has resigned. This is the Jimmy Bevins that perpetrated misdeeds on fellow duck hunters. As you recall, he baited ducks to keep fellow hunters from being able to legally hunt, which is about as onerous an act as anyone could commit, but for the chairman of the Fish and Wildlife Commission to indulge in that kind of behavior is absolutely despicable. Those fellows, if they'd been cited by a federal warden for hunting over that bait, could have lost their truck, their guns, their hunting licenses, and many other things, but Commission Chair Jimmy Bevins apparently didn't consider that when he tried to run his ruse of baiting ducks to prevent fellow hunters from hunting. Unfortunately, but true to character, Jimmy Bevins in his resignation letter blasted the cabinet and specifically Don Parkinson, cabinet secretary, for calling him to task for the very honors things he did. It was a uh, letter filled with self pity. It was a letter very misleading to the sportsmen of the state. And to that point, I'm going to make some points about some of the things in his letter. I'm not going to sit here and read his whole letter. It's about three pages long. And quite frankly, it's kind of a, the kind of letter that you would expect from someone who would bait ducks to prevent a fellow hunter from hunting. I'll just put it that way. As chair of the Fish and Wildlife Commission, Bevins had the audacity to ask what in the world is going on with the agency he heads. Apparently, Bevins knew very little. According to Auditor, State Auditor Mike Harmon's 2016 audit of Fish and Wildlife, the department failed to maintain adequate controls, resulting in the misappropriation of receipts, which also occurred in 2015. Fish and Wildlife failed to reconcile reconcile their internal handling of licenses and fees with the state system, resulting in difficulty in keeping track of money belonging to you-know-who, the sportsmen, and outdoor women of the state. The same problems 
occurred in 2013 and 2014. Bevins bragged about the professionalism in fish and wildlife. No doubt, there's tremendous professionalism among the ranking file department employees, but it's been evident that it's in short demand in the administrative section where those associated with Bevins have had ethics charges placed against them, been forced to resign, or voluntarily retired. And all this comes back to Bevins violating the Kentucky right to hunt law. Not only was Bevins eventually held accountable for intentionally baiting an area near his home on Elkhorn Creek to prevent others from hunting ducks, but top fish and wildlife administrators faced ethics violations, were fired, or forced to retire for attempting to stop the investigation of Bevins' actions by conservation officers. Bevins blames the Cabinet of Tourism, Arts, and Heritage for not standing aside and allowing a rogue Fish and Wildlife Department to continue flaunting laws and regulations and operating as a cesspool of corruption. I want to take an aside here and let you folks know what Jimmy Bevins is trying to say, that the Cabinet and or the Governor are out to take over Fish and Wildlife There's even rumors floating around about them being after the sportsman's money. After meeting with Secretary Parkinson and members of the cabinet, they assured me they have no such intentions. They have never had such intentions. And they are going to root out the corruption that's been evident to many of you sportsmen and outdoor women across the state for the last several years. Just as KRS 150.023, that's the statute that requires the Fish and Wildlife Commission to keep a watchful eye on the department and its commissioner, people need to realize the same oversight applies to the cabinet's responsibilities to keep an eye on its departments and report to the governor. As indicated by his violation of the Kentucky right to hunt law, Bevins arrives at the conclusion that Fish and Wildlife can thumb its nose at the rest of state government. He laments the agency is now a political football to be kicked around by whatever legislator or cabinet official sees fit to do so. Bevin's creation of a political football proved to be his own undoing. It must be very disconcerting if one sees himself as a tin dictator only to have a superior step in and clip his wings. And again... Secretary Parkinson did the right thing. Bevins bristled at Tourism, Arts, and Heritage Cabinet Don Parkinson for having the audacity to walk in and dress down the commission. Bevins says he hopes Kentucky sportsmen and sportswomen will not allow politics to destroy fish and wildlife. Guess who made the department political to begin with? One Jimmy Bevins. In his closing Statements, he said, having faced many controversies in my six years on the commission, you think? I reaffirmed that my sole justification for this letter is my love of the agency and its mission, Bevins wrote. It's a shame he didn't think about that in January of 2017 after he baited ducks to keep legal duck hunters from hunting near his Frankfurt home. Calling his decision to resign, if it was his decision, so difficult Bevin says he wants to do all he can to help the agency that is so dear to me become whole again. 
I will make my services readily available. Here's my question, ladies and gentlemen. Are there any Kentucky sportsmen and sportswomen who want the likes of Jimmy Bevins to come anywhere near the Kentucky Department of Fish and Wildlife Resources again? This was good news for the sportsmen and outdoor women of the Commonwealth. It's great news for the principal, dedicated conservation officers who held for the law, many of whom had retribution taken down in rank and had faced a firestorm of legal maneuvering by Jimmy Bevins and company. I'm here tonight to say how proud I am about the fraternity of sportsmen and sportswomen who would not put up with this kind of activity from the upper echelon at Fish and Wildlife. My hat's off to you. And I'm going to close this again. Are there any Kentucky sportsmen and sportswomen who want Jimmy Bevins to come anywhere near the department again? I think you know where I stand. We'll be back right after the break. The break is presented by SMI Marine, 11400 Westport Road, just north of the Gene Snyder. Tim Addington and his staff are busy getting your boats ready for winter. We're going to turn towards fall. Any repairs you need, get in and see them. They're great folks to work with. And remember, you never get soaked at SMI Marine. And we're back on Jim Strader Outdoors. Again, doing open lines tonight. The numbers to call in, 571-8484 or 1-800-444-8484. Before I move off of Jimmy Bevan's resignation letter and statements that First District Commissioner Harry Carlos have made saying the cabinet is taking over fish and wildlife and starting all these scurrilous rumors that are going around. I want to tell you that the actions of First District Fish and Wildlife Commissioner Harry Carlos and Commission Chairman Jimmy Bevins at the Legislative Review Committee's hearing about the deer regulations was one of the most unbelievably arrogant and insensitive cases of commissioners testifying in front of the legislature about the deer regs. What I'm speaking to here specifically is the fact that the legislature had some compromises and amendments The deputy secretary of the cabinet testified that they were okay with them. Acting Commissioner Frank Gemley testified that he was on board with them. Deputy Commissioner Karen Waldrop said she was on board. So you've got, in this case, the legislature, the cabinet, and the department saying they're all on the same page. What happens next? Here comes... Jimmy Bevins and First District Commissioner Harry Carlos. And God is my witness, Harry Carlos gets up there and says, we have too many deer. Down in western Kentucky, we got all kind of problems with crop depredation, and I'll just tell you what we do with them. We shoot them with a twenty two rifle and let them run off to die on somebody else's property. Now, if that's the kind of statement 
that a Fish and Wildlife Commission member is making in defiance of this, his own department, in defiance of the cabinet, and in defiance of what the legislature worked out as a compromise, then, buddy, he deserved a dressing down. And Jimmy Bevins fell right in there with him, testified all kind of things about the reason people don't kill more deer because it's too hard to get a license and other nonsense. From where I sit, Cabinet Secretary Don Parkinson not only did the right thing, but he stood tall for what the integrity of not only the Department of Fish and Wildlife stands for, but the Cabinet. So if you folks out there are hearing all these rumors about all this stuff, again, I met personally with the Cabinet this week, and they assured me repeatedly that Neither they nor the governor has any designs on taking over fish and wildlife or taking any of their monies. They recognize full well that the department is protected by statute. The statute that created it protects it. And the statute, Senate Bill 64, which I helped uh, draft and was involved in putting forward, does the same. It protects that the commissioners that the governor appoints are confirmed by the Senate. So there are layers of protection there. The cabinet knows that full well. The governor knows it full well. And despite what Jimmy Bevins and, and Dr. Carlos are trying to put out there, the cabinet and the governor are going to clean the place up, and they're going to do their level best to see that the sportsmen and sportswomen of the state get their fair play. It was a refreshing conversation, and again, they gave me assurances that that is not what was going on, and I thought you folks out here ought to know about that. This has been a long, drawn-out saga, as many of you know, and I'd be remiss to some of the fine employees of the Department of Fish and Wildlife who stood tall, who did not roll over for Jimmy Bevin's play and who were true to their, not only to the department, but to the integrity of their fellow officers who were being attacked and corrupted by Jimmy Bevins and his actions. I'm speaking specifically here about the officers who became involved in this and were protecting Officer Josh Robinson, who wrote Jimmy Bevins' wildlife citation. And uh, Rodney Milburn and Thomas Blackwell, who are officers of the Kentucky Conservation Officers Association, were two gentlemen that really stood tall on this and put their reputations and their careers on the line to back up Officer Robinson for doing the right thing by citing Jimmy Bevins for his despicable act. I want to go further with that and let everyone know that, unfortunately, Officer Blackwell and those folks were not only reprimanded, but Rodney Milburn was taken down in rank just for doing the right thing, for coming forward and speaking on behalf of Officer Robinson, who had the integrity and the courage to cite Jimmy Bevins even though 
he was chair of the Fish and Wildlife Commission. These are the kind of officers that we need. These are the kind of officers that have the sportsman's best interest at heart. These are the kind of officers that perform their duties in an admirable fashion in the face of retribution by corruption that's been rampant in that upper level at Fish and Wildlife. Again, rank and file Fish and Wildlife people are some of the best in the world. I stand firmly on their side on issues. There's things sometimes we disagree with, but that's part of the the story, if you will, that, that goes along with passion about the issues. But this type of activity that Jimmy Bevins and his cronies were perpetrating on good officers, on fellow sportsmen, on the agency itself by putting this stain there, it was more than high time for Jimmy Bevins to go. That's just, I think, a, a big step in the right direction. And I think the folks that helped clean this up are to be applauded for it. Let's go to Jack, calling from Middletown. Yes, Jack, you're up. Hey, Jim. Yes, sir. I like your show. Well, that's a good thing. I like it, too. <laughs> I'm not I'm not a hunter, uh, but I enjoy listening about the nature. Uh, and I wanted to let you know I was listening to your show uh, two or three weeks ago when you were talking about uh, uh, deer and the rabies, you know, uh-huh. and how the Kentucky Department of Wildlife said a certain date that they would be gone, the babies would be, the doe. And I was just driving in my neighborhood, and I saw two doe with with a uh, uh, two two baby does with a female. So, um, thought that was interesting. Yes, sir. Hey, Jack, can you hold? I've got to go to break here. Uh, yeah. I see, you wanted to talk about bears as well. Like you, I've been seeing lots of fawns still nursing uh, their with their does here in the last week or two. That that statement. That came from Gabe Jenkins, the deer coordinator. It's just not accurate. So I felt compelled to put that misstatement to rest. We got to go to break here, folks. The number is 571 8484 or 1 800 444 8484. This break is presented by Mossy Oak Properties, Hart Realty. Paul Thomas is the broker. Check them out, M O P H A R T Realty.com. And we're back on Jim Strader Outdoors. Open lines tonight, folks. 571-8484 or 1-800-444-8484. A lot of things to talk about. Dove season. I've had an excellent dove season so far. Able to hunt with a lot of my closest friends. And the shooting has been good. A little sporty. Uh, had some windy days, days when the birds flew high, but uh, I kind of like that, actually. It tests your skills a little bit more and gives you an opportunity to see how well you can do against what is probably one of the finest game birds that we have. Um, some fields lost birds right there at the start of the season because that little cool snap that went through, which was kind of unusual to me, um, some fields see that, some don't. But overall, 
on most of the fields that I've shot, we've had real good shooting. Not as good as some years past when the recruitment or or breeding component of doves produced huge, huge flocks of birds, but certainly uh, more than enough to provide several shoots per field and lots of fun and frolic for everyone involved. We also just obviously had the archery season opener in Kentucky, and I have been seeing some whopper bucks uh, taken by folks, velvet bucks that are just absolutely huge and show-stopping. Would love to hear from any of you who hunted during this first portion and hear about your success or lack thereof. I'll tell you one thing, it was hot and lots of bugs. And I hope those of you who were out there took my advice and sprayed for ticks because they're really out there. And as you've heard me repeatedly mention, you really cannot afford to put yourself in harm's way with these tick diseases that are popping up all over the place right now. Again, I've got lots of friends and members of my own family who have had Lyme disease, Rocky Mountain spotted fever, several acquaintances that have that new horrible tick disease where if you're bitten by one of these ticks, you can never eat red meat again, which is a horrible, horrible sentence, (laughs) if you will, for folks like myself who love to eat red meat. So that's something that uh, I would caution you to spray down. I had one caller ask me if the spray for ticks alarm deer or would spook them. I haven't seen any evidence that it did or does. Uh, I think it's the smell of, of a human, the butyric acid that humans produce as a byproduct of eating meat is what deer and other prey species smell, and it, it screams predator to them. So um, let's go here to uh, Larry, who's calling from Fisherville. Yes, Larry, you're up. Hello, thank you. Uh, I've been reading uh, some blogs out on the Internet uh, some people are out there saying that uh, the rut has already passed for this year because of that uh, little pool spell that we had here a few weeks back. And I find that a little incredulous and hard to believe. What are your thoughts on it? Uh, that's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard, Larry. <laughs> uh, I don't know what kind of fool would try to to put that information out there because most of these bucks uh, aren't even ready to breed yet. The... Uh, the scent of their testicles and the production of modal sperm comes with and coincides with the shedding of the velvet antlers. And these these bucks, they'll be ready here shortly, but the does, I can promise you, aren't anywhere near being ready to breed with the bucks. They haven't even kicked their fawns off yet. So whoever's put that out there is going to look awfully foolish. That's what I was thinking because uh, these people are saying, yeah, you might as well just forget the rut. It's over for now. And, uh, you know, just might want to go do some other kind of hunting or just forget about deer season completely. And I'm thinking, what are you idiots smoking? No kidding. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you all the way on that one, partner. Maybe maybe they put it out there as a joke. I mean, who knows, Larry? These 
a lot of these blogs no, on. I, I was trying to read. Yeah, I'm in the car now, and I cannot remember what the website was, but it's a uh, it's a regular email on Kentucky hunting that I get, and uh, this was one of the articles that was in it. It just floored me. Well, the best thing I can say is maybe they just did it as a joke because it is a joke if you get my meaning. Yeah. All right, Larry. Now exactly. Okay, well, thank you so much. You have a good evening. You too. I appreciate you. Let's go to Keith who's calling from Louisville. Yes, Keith. Hey, thanks for the opportunity. This Jimmy Bevins character is is so corrupt. For him to write a resignation letter like that proves that he's corrupt, does not accept responsibility for his corruption, and is a very small man. And another thing, a lot of these commissioners need to go with him because what they've done with the elk permits and all that is unforgivable. And I'll tell you what, we need to have a tidy bowl moment with this with all these commissioners, what are your thoughts on that, sir? Uh, it's starting, and and this is one of the well, things that I've discussed this week. Are we going to see this through fruition where they all get flushed? Because there's something wrong here, and it's right in front of our face. When you see corruption and they're telling you it's something else, I'm not blind, nor am I deaf. <laughs> Go ahead, sir. Sorry to interrupt. No, that's all right. Uh, the governor and the cabinet are determined to purge the department of, of folks who have been corrupt, and they're going to be making new commission appointments. They're going to be holding some new commission elections in some of the districts where uh, they weren't satisfied with the folks that were you know, on the commission, where these things were occurring. And I think that's all a breath of fresh air going forward. And I don't know where it'll end up, but again, I was assured repeatedly by the cabinet that neither they nor the governor are up to anything nefarious. It's just the opposite. They realize that there's big problems at Fish and Wildlife, and they're going to do their level best to clean it out. Well, they they have a lot of work to do before they regain my faith, sir. And that, that I, you know, I, I'm not kidding around. This this is it's just deplorable what these guys have done. Thank you for the time, sir. All right, Keith. I think the statement you made that that I think is direct and to the point is that in his resignation letter, Jimmy Bevins did show that he is absolutely not willing to be accountable for his actions or misdeeds. And I, for one, am very, very glad for his departure. Let's go to big country wants to talk about bobcats. Big Country, you called a couple weeks ago, did you not? I sure did. That's an easy moniker for me to remember. <laughs> got a question. I want to get me a bobcat. I live over in Georgetown. Um, I don't know where to go with this. Do you, you got any suggestions and or anybody out there who's got any suggestions? You, when you say you live in Georgetown, Kentucky or Indiana? Kentucky. Kentucky, Okay. Well, there's bobcats in virtually every county in the state just about at this juncture, uh, but they're most numerous in a lot of the counties that have l- what I call ledge structures, rocky outcroppings, caves, um, and, and enough timber and brush to accommodate their uh, need for prey like rabbits, chipmunks, squirrels, things of that nature. Um 
there's a lot of counties around the state that are absolutely loaded. I mean, some of the counties that come to my mind are some of them on the edge of, well, Marion County, for example. It's loaded with bobcats. I started seeing them down there 12, 15 years ago, and and there's lots of them around. Um, They see them a lot over in the eastern part, Menifee County, Round County, uh, over around Moorhead. Um, All those are areas that are pretty easily accessible to you, so those would be some spots that I'd kind of point you toward. Well, I think I'll have to try it. My son-in-law's from Marion County, so... I'll hit him up, see if he knows anybody down that way. But uh, I have been catching some um, uh, uh, um, sturgeon out of the Cumberland River down below the dam. Really? And catching them by accident, actually fishing fishing for a rainbow trout on the bottom with uh, night crawlers. And, I mean, they're not real big. They're 40, 41 inches. But, um I mean, you're talking about being surprised. I'm really surprised when, it, when I got one. I bet. I bet. Boy, they're a neat-looking critter, aren't they? Well, kind of scary-looking when you ain't expecting it. Pre- prehistoric. <laughs> it, does, it does look. Yeah, I believe they are a prehistoric uh, fish. Well, they're they're one of the oldest fish we have, and, and uh, that's a, it's a, quite a thing that you were able to catch some. Anyway, talk to your buddy there in Marion County. That's... That's as good an area as I know that has lots of bobcats. I mean, there's 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 lots of bobcats on several of the WMAs as well. Yellow Banks has got them. Uh, Town Creek WMA has them. Um, you know, I could go on and on on that subject, but because of the type of terrain we have on on those WMAs, they're certainly evident and abundant enough that with the predator calling the right setup, I'm feel sure you might have a good shot at one. Well, buddy, I appreciate it. You keep up the good work because it takes sportsmen to take care of sportsmen, not our government. Yep. Amen to that. Let's go to Mike, who's calling from Corinth. Wants to talk about deer. Hey, Mike. Hey, uh, real, real quick on what uh, what your previous caller was talking about, the bobcats. Uh, my son got one here in Corinth uh, last, last year. And, uh, kind of rode around the truck, uh, you know, the gas station with it and in the back of his truck and there's some locals saw it, about a dozen or so of them at the gas station. And they had never seen one in our area before. It's the first time they'd ever laid eyes on one. Well, you know, the, there. yeah, the unusual thing about bobcats in their emergence <laughs> as a common, uh, wildlife species now is in the past, and I'm talking about I've traveled and hunted, as you folks know, Texas, Louisiana, Florida, Georgia, Mississippi, you know, all those states where they had bobcats and they were very, very abundant. But I could count on one hand the number of bobcats I'd seen in all my travels to all those states in all those years. Mm-hmm. Yet here and in Indiana, especially in the southern portions of Indiana, now I see bobcats. Not as frequently as, as coyotes, certainly, but uh, it's it's the fact that I see them in daytime that's so unusual because, you know, I see them frequently anymore. And folks that I know that hunt a lot and that get out a lot see them fairly frequently. And it's as if they're, I don't know, just so common and so bold about 
being out and about during daylight that it's a pretty startling situation and one that points, I think, the need for some control on their numbers because they are deadly on turkeys and they're deadly on fawns. Not to, not to mention rabbits. For some reason. Sir? Yeah. Uh, said it's, it's as if their patterns are changing. Yeah, it, it does seem that way. And yeah. I, I'm not sure what to attribute that to, quite honestly. Yeah. Uh, quick beer question. Uh, about three weeks ago, my cameras have actually, absolutely went dead as far as seeing deer. Uh, up until about three weeks ago, I'm, I had deer moving through regularly. Uh, I've had as many as uh, eight or nine at a time on, on camera uh, feeding on my clover plots. Uh, any, any thoughts, any ideas what, what could cause that? Well, two things I would point at. One is some of the acorns are starting to drop, and it's premature, but it is happening, and mm-hmm. that, as you know, will keep them in the woods. Or that was my first thought. The harvest of farm crops, particularly corn, uh, a lot of folks mm-hmm. put out early corn this time. And if they've run some big cornfields anywhere near you, the deer could definitely be keen on that as well. So, but those are guesses on my part. But those two things at this particular time would be my best guess all right okay yeah all right i appreciate it thanks for calling mike we got to go to break here folks this break is presented by smi marine go see them they got all kind of great boats for sale legend bass boats express aluminum boats and starcraft pontoons got some trade-in boats great deals on them as well and remember you never get soaked by my friends at smi marine And we're back on Jim Strader Outdoors. The numbers again tonight, open lines, 571-8484-1-800-444-8484. Looking at the weather patterns that are upon us right now and heading into this week has me increasingly excited that we've turned the page into the months that end in ER. They're my favorites, September, October, November, and December. If you're a f- outdoor participant of about any stripe, the cooler weather, the decline in insects that comes with the onset of fall and, and the transition towards winter, it, it really makes for a enjoyable outdoor endeavors of all stripes. One of the things I do want to talk about tonight, because it's going to become very, very evident going into this week, squirrel hunting and the ripening of the nuts and the nut crop, incidentally, is very, very heavy in many areas. Uh, It's going to really, really be a fantastic week to get out and participate. It has been so hot and muggy. And with the numbers of ticks out there and the distraction of dove hunting, I might add, I haven't been out in the squirrel woods much yet. I've done a lot of scouting but hadn't actually gone hunting. And I'm going to cure that this week with these cooler temperatures. We're going to have temperatures in the 60s in the mornings. And um, the squirrels are real heavy on the pig nut and shagbark hickory right now cutting those trees. They finally really piled in on them and, I love hunting that time of year because it's a great opportunity to sharpen your skills for 
all the other hunting that comes a little later in the fall. Let's go to John, who has a question or comment about bobcats. Yes, John. Uh, yes, sir. Didn't the state stock these bobcats a few years back, several years back? Uh, no, sir. They did not have any stocking programs. They, for some strange reason, have just exploded. And I think some of it probably is the number of deer that we have in um, turkeys and whatnot. But, it, I mean, they're just becoming very, very common anymore. Have you have you seen them out and about, John? I've only seen one, but I have friends who have seen them. Before. You've seen them out, you know what I mean? I see. Well, they sure yeah. show up on the trail cameras and whatnot, and they're just yeah. becoming very, very prevalent. And I hope that they open up the season to run concurrent with deer season so folks that are out there with their rifles in the time of year when they're out there for days on end have a crack at them. I think it's time to, to implement that. I squirrel hunt over at Otter Creek, and there's I'm seeing less turkeys each year there. You know the 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 the, old, the young the, the hens I have less young ones with them. You know what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Well, that's that's been evident in a lot of places. Hey, John, I got to go to break here. This break is presented by Mossy Oak Properties, Hart Realty. Paul Thomas is a broker. Vacation cabins, wildlife management properties, and farms for sale. And they'll be glad to list your outdoor property. Check them out, M-O-P-H-A-R-T-Realty.com. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.